like that. You want to try that. Hello, one and all, and welcome to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. I am in a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic mood for this Wednesday edition of the show. Goodness gracious. But before we get in today's show and get what we are wanting to talk about, why I'm so excited today, make sure you're following the Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and of course, you're listening to right now, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Twitter account is Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account being the Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, just search Logan Blackman Show. It should pop up. Make sure you like and subscribe both channels. Make sure you're following. And of course, the only way you know what I'm saying right now is if you're listening to the Apple Podcast or Spotify, make sure, if you're not already, subscribe or follow on both and leave a rating out of five stars as well. It could be a one-star rating. And just leave, just leave a rating. Because I always find this funny in like social media when people complain about, oh, why? Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Like in general, if I see something and I don't care, I just scroll past it. But you took the time to comment on something and go, I don't care, which shows you do care. So if you leave a one-star rating or don't like the show and leave a comment saying the show sucks ass or whatever, you cared enough to leave a rating. So you know what? I greatly appreciate that. I will take that with a grain of salt and be happy that you at least took the time out of your day to rate the show, to comment on the show, or whatever. So that means we made a mark on you. Whether it's positive or negative, any publicity is good pub- publicity. There we go. Struggle on some words from here and now. Every, geez, every now and again. Right as I'm in the talking point of trying to figure out how to say words right, I mess up on the words again. But we are here. It's a beautiful Tuesday. Here for me. It's going to be Wednesday for you guys. And last night, for me, Monday, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I don't remember if we really talked about the game that much on Monday's show. I think we talked about it to a tiny bit. A tiny bit. I know I was kind of taken away by a 10-point spread, which, generally speaking, I don't really have an issue. Like, if we're talking college football, a 10-point spread is nothing that spectacular. Like, you have games, like last week we had Michigan versus UConn. I think Michigan was a 48-point favorite or something like that. Like, they were an insane favorite in that game. But no one really batted an eye at it. But you have a 10-plus... If you have anything above a 10 or at a 10 in the NFL for a line, that just feels astronomical. That feels somewhat disrespectful because these are professional athletes. You don't think that any group of professional athletes should be able to be favored. Maybe they will beat them by 10, sure. But having them favored by 10, like I remember the Bills were 14 or 14 and a half point dogs to the Vikings in Minneapolis when they beat them Josh Allen's rookie year. I was like, we have no shot. We have no shot. There's zero chance this team's winning. A 14? That is an insane spread in the NFL. So 10, did I think the Bills were going to beat up on the Titans? I think the Bills would beat the Titans. Yes, I did. And then when I look back at it, did I think the Bills were going to win by at least 10? I like to think so, but over the past couple years when the Bills and Titans have played, it's been kind of a, I don't know, roller coaster of what kind of the score will be. It's kind of like when I was a kid and watching Iowa versus Northwestern, where it just, you never really got a firm grasp on how the game was going to be. Like each set of fans thought that they had the upper hand in the game, but it was just going to go however the hell it wanted to go. And I know that's that's generally speaking, of course, the game's not going to be dictated by any fan or anything like that. It's just going to go how it goes. But the Bills have had a little bit of a tough time against the Tennessee Titans as of late. I know they beat the, the Bills beat the Titans in Nashville. Josh Allen's 
rookie year. No, they beat them in Nashville in Buffalo. Josh Allen's rookie year, and then beat them in Nashville with a Duke Williams touchdown the year after. And then they went on a few games where they were couldn't beat the Titans. It's like they couldn't stop Derrick Henry. It was like a monster thing that they couldn't deal with. And my dad pointed this out to me last night while we were watching the game. I never took this into account. Von Miller and Derrick Henry are the same size. Why does it seem, maybe it's the position they play. I think it has a lot to do with the position they play. But Von Miller just seems so much smaller than Derrick Henry. And maybe it's because he's lined up next to 300-pound people and Derrick Henry's lined up to Ryan Tannehill. He's not a small person, but he's not a massive dude comparatively to some of the other players in the NFL. But Von Miller and Derrick Henry being the same size. I do find this funny. I thought about this last year, how big NBA players are and how a small NBA player is compared to a big NFL player. Like Steph Curry and Miles Garrett met before a Warriors game last year. I don't remember what game it was. But they're looking eye to eye, and Steph Curry's supposed to be the small guy. <laughs> He's almost—he looks bigger than Miles Garrett does, and Miles Garrett's one of the scariest dudes in the NFL. He's one of the favorites to win Defensive Player of the Year every single season, and he's as big as a guy that was listed as too small to play in the NBA. <laughs> I know he weighs more than him, but it's just funny seeing these guys stand next to each other because NFL players just feel so freaking huge, and then they stand next to an NBA player, and there seems like. That's their average height. Like Spencer Brown is a freaking monster. He's six foot nine. I, I would. I don't know if there is one, but I'm pretty confident he's the tallest player in the NFL. I could be wrong. There could be someone else out there's like six ten, but I'm not 100 percent sure. But he's smaller than like he's the tallest person in the NFL, arguably, and he's just as tall as LeBron James is, which is crazy because LeBron is big, but he's not that incredibly tall. He's only a few inches taller than Michael Jordan. It's just crazy. It's just crazy how size differs in the NFL versus the NBA. But that Derrick Henry versus Von Miller size comparison, that throws me off. That throws me off. And I do think it has to go up with we've seen Von Miller line up against big offensive linemen, big defense linemen. Derrick Henry's just with Ryan Tannehill. But good Lord. I thought the Bills would win. I was confident about the Bills winning after watching what the Bills did to the Rams last week or I guess two, a week and a half ago. It was 11 days since the Bills' last game against the Rams. And then watching what the Giants did to the Titans, and it wasn't like the Giants blew the Titans out of the water, but the Giants just beating the Titans, which I don't think a lot of people out there, including myself, thought would happen, regardless of how much you want to talk yourself into, oh, Dable's going to re- rejuvenize this offense, rejuvenize this team. No matter how much you want to think about that, this is the team that just had the number one seed in the AFC. This is the reigning number one seed in the AFC. Yes, they lost to the Bengals in the playoffs in pretty embarrassing fashion. Should they have lost the game? I don't think they should have, given how many times they got to Burrow, but they just shot themselves in the foot in the game. But I don't think anybody thought that team would beat the Giants, no matter who was the head coach of the Giants. Or lose to that team. Sorry. So going into Buffalo, I was confident. Going into the Buffalo Bills-Tennessee Titans game, I was confident. I didn't think the Bills would lose. I I wasn't that nervous going into the game. But the first drive was like, okay, this is kind of how I expected the game to go. Bills go down score. Titans go down score. I thought it was going to be kind of like that because that's how it was last year. I think final score last year was 34-32 or something like that. Crazy game. Absolutely crazy game. But um, no, it was not like that because the Titans had more yards on that first drive than they did like the rest of the game until about third midway through the third quarter. They had 66 or something yards, 62 or 66 yards in their first drive of the game. 
didn't top that until midway through the third quarter. That's how little the Titans did last night. And Josh Allen and that offense, good Lord, I don't know what it is, but they, well, I know what it is. It's that stupid Chiefs game, but they look pissed. They are on a freaking mission right now. I challenge you, and I said this before the season, that I feel I have to be careful about who I talk to about this because this can get met with all different kinds of reactions. Right now, there is not a better quarterback in the NFL than Josh Allen. I don't care. I said it. There is not a single quarterback in the NFL right now better than Josh Allen. Like, do I think Rodgers, Brady, Mahomes, yes, they've done more, but they are not currently better than Josh Allen. Because what Josh Allen is doing, Josh Allen had another hurdle in this game. He jumped over, and that wasn't a, a prototypical hurdle, but he jumped over somebody. He went jump man Allen back. Mahomes, Rodgers, and Brady aren't doing that. The flick of the wrist throw from the 50-yard <laughs> the, uh, the line to the three without stepping into it, sure, they can do that, but not as effortless. Like, they can make that throw easily, but not the same way Josh Allen did. They're not stiff-arming defense alignment. They're not doing any of this. They're not running around like Josh Allen is. There is not a single thing that those three, and this, I'm not taking away from how great those guys are, because they're all great quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers is back-to-back MVP. Mahomes was an MVP. He's won a Super Bowl. Brady's won seven Super Bowls. Won an M- was the number one player in the NFL last year, apparently. I don't know who was watching last year, other than just looking at stats. I don't know. But they're not doing... There's nothing that they can do that Josh Allen cannot do at this point. And this isn't like the Bills are playing some scrub-ass teams. They're not playing these teams that had the top five or top ten pick in the draft last year. No, no, no. This is the reigning one seed from the AFC and the reigning Super Bowl champion. This isn't like some two random-ass scrub teams. Now, the Titans don't look great, but this is a team that just was off an AFC, no, the number one overall seed in the AFC. Rams just won the Super Bowl. And the Bills beat them 41-7 to last night and 31-10 to week one. These are not bad football teams. The Bills made them look miserable. Absolutely miserable. The Bills are the first team since 2002 to start a season 2-0 with both wins coming against teams that had 12-plus wins the season prior. So 2002, 20 years ago. Two teams they just beat by a 31-10 and 41-7. Those two teams both had 12 wins last year. One of them won the Super Bowl, one was the number one seed in the AFC. And Gabe Davis was out in this game, which is a big loss. But hey, Diggs and Allen, I, again, like I said with Josh Allen, I challenged you to find a better quarterback wide receiver duo in the NFL right now. And I know people are going to come back with Kelsey and, and Mahomes, but Kelsey's a tight end. I want a wide receiver. Brady Evans, I guess, is one that could be mentioned up there. What else? Name me what Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson. Did you watch last night? The best quarterback wide receiver duo in the NFL is Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Bar none. Cooper Cup, Matt Stafford's another one that could be mentioned up there too. I think that's a fair shout. Is there any other ones that I'm missing out on? I mean, Rodgers, Devontae Adams was definitely up there. But Adams is now in Vegas. 
And I'm not going to sit here and say him and Carr are up there. Who else is up there? No one. It's not close at this point. This offense is so pissed off going into this season. They are going out for blood. They went for it on fourth down when they were up (laughs) by 20 points. They don't care. They're going to rip off your head and then stick their hand down your (laughs) neck hole and rip out your heart. Like, this team is not messing around this year. And that for people that are wanting to hype up the Dolphins game, that game was not good until the fourth quarter. And I respect Tua for playing well in the fourth quarter because I've always said, you want to play better as the game goes on. I've always said that. That was my defense against CJ for C.J. Stroud last year. He looked better as games went on. But there is not really anything that scares me. And again, I've said this before. I've said it every single week so far. Until it happens, I do not fear any team in this division. There's not a single team in this division I fear. You want me to fear the Patriots with Joe Judge and Matt Patricia calling the plays? Jacoby Myers came out and said they have no idea what they're doing 90% of the time. You expect me to fear? I fear Tyreek Hill. I fear Jalen Waddell. I don't fear their quarterback. I don't. There was not one throw that I was like, wow, when I watched that Ravens-Dolphins game. Not one. And I'm sorry if that comes off as mean, but I'm sorry. There's not one single thing that made me go, wow, watching Tua play. Not one thing. He threw six touchdowns, but like we talked about the other day, it's basically like Corey Brewer scoring 51 points. I saw a post on Twitter of people talking about all the different players that have thrown for that kind of yards and that kind of touchdowns in games, and they ain't great. They ain't great. Nick Foles has done it. I know he's won a Super Bowl, but where the hell is he now? Is he the backup in Indianapolis? I don't know where he's at. Jared Goff's done that. No one considers Jared Goff to be a great quarterback. I think Jared Goff is overly hated. I've defended Jared Goff on a few occasions, but the mass media and the mass fans out there do not rate Jared Goff that highly. Like, it is... I I don't fear them at all. That Dolphins-Patriots game was cancer to watch. And up until the fourth quarter, when the Ravens secondary completely shut off, Literally, their defenders didn't even move when Tyreek Hill burned past them and then Tua underthrew Tyreek Hill. I, I don't I don't fear them. I really do not fear the Miami Dolphins. I don't fear the Patriots. And I'm open for this to come back to bite me in the ass. I'm open to it. I've never been afraid to say I'm wrong or I was wrong about something. If it happens, it happens. But the Dolphins have beaten the Bills one time since Josh Allen's been in the league. One time. Once. I don't fear the Dolphins at all. The Patriots, since Tom Brady left, have beat the Bills one time. And that was when they ran it 200 times. When they asked their quarterback to beat the Bills, the Bills beat them by by about a combined score, about 100. I don't fear them. Most most consecutive games with four-plus total touchdowns in NFL history, including postseason. Peyton Manning threw five, had five games of that note in 2004. Breeze has four in 2018, had four in 2018. Dan Marino had four in 84. Josh Allen's at four right now. And you want to tell me that there's actually quarterbacks that are playing the NFL right now 
I'm talking about this current day. I'm not talking about what they did in the past. I'm not talking about any of that. Right now, there's not a single quarterback in the NFL that is better than Josh Allen. Not a single one. And you can name Mahomes because, oh, Mahomes has won an MVP. Mahomes has won a Super Bowl. I don't care. That has nothing to do with what we're doing right now. Mahomes had four turnover-worthy plays against the Chargers last Thursday and conveniently wound up with no interceptions and no turnovers. Amazing how that works out. Two of them were clear interceptions. One of them was a stupid penalty that they called in the defense I was on the offense, and the other one was Asante Samuel. He had the interception. He was on the ground with the ball in his hands. And there's conveniently no interception. Do not try to tell me that this, right now Mahomes is better than Josh Allen. He's not. And I'll die on that hill. Usually I'm going to sit here and say, oh, I, can, I can see where people are coming from. No. As of right now, there's not a better player. I, I guess I should say this. Not a better player in the NFL than Josh Allen. This could be me, me being overdramatic and all of that stuff. I don't think it is. I really don't think it is. Josh Allen's last four games, nine, he has a 76% completion percentage, 16 touchdowns, two picks, averaging just under 10 yards per attempt. And one of those interceptions bounced off Isaiah McKenzie's chest. <laughs> like, I don't, I am not, it's just not close. It's not close. And then people want to point out records. Records are not a quarterback stat. Because I saw on ESPN, it was Adam Schefter talking about how Justin Herbert and Tua are close because Tua has won as many games or has less losses than Justin Herbert has. It's not close. I don't think you could ask any Chargers fan if they would trade Justin Herbert for Tua. Would they do that? No. Would any Dolphins fan trade Tua for Herbert? They'd do it in a freaking heartbeat. Like, ask yourself that. If you're a Chargers fan, would you trade Justin Herbert for Tua Tagovailoa? And if you're a Dolphins fan, be honest, would you trade Tua for Justin Herbert? The answer is yes to that Tua one 99% of the time. Because there's a few cynical fans that just want their owner and GM to be right that tank for Tua was a good thing that happened. You give Justin Herbert these type of weapons, and he already's got a great group of weapons in Los Angeles. You don't think they're killing everybody by 100 points with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle? He's already doing that with, with Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen was out. Keenan Allen's a great wideout. Mike Evans, Mike Williams, one of the best deep route, deep, deep ball receivers in the NFL. Like the Dolphins looked at what their quarterback lacked and goes, you know what? He can't throw the ball deep. We're going to get guys that can create elite separation and can run after the catch. So we can run a bunch of crossing routes and the defense is not going to keep up. 90% of Tua's yards, it seems like, are off of run after catch. Josh Allen was last in the league in yards after catch. Because they're scoring touchdowns because he's just thrown it in the end zone. Tua, I don't know the numbers, but I'm sure Tua leads it. If not, he's damn close. And this is just me being, I don't know, I'm not being 100% accurate because I don't know if this is true or not. It just feels that way. After what I've watched about the Dolphins this year, it's run after catch 99% of the time. They would trade for Herbert. The Chargers would not trade for Tua. That's how we end this. They wouldn't do that. 
So if you're going to try and bring up wins as a quarterback stat, just shut up. Because Tua has less losses, has a better winning percentage than Justin Herbert. Doesn't matter. Tua is a top 25 quarterback. Herbert's a top five. There's levels. There is levels to this. They had to fire their last coach because he did not like Tua. They literally fired him because he did not like him. He didn't like Chris Greer. He didn't like Tua. He's very vocal about Tua. There's not a, there is maybe, if I could count up the number of teams in the NFL that would trade for Tua, who would they be? I don't know. I honestly cannot think of any team that would look at Tua and go, yeah, we're going to give up a premium for him. I can name about, what, 25 teams that would trade for Justin Herbert? Maybe, maybe 20. Like, there are a lot more teams that would trade for Herbert than would for Tua. Because I just saw people talking about wins a quarterback stat on Twitter. That's the dumbest stat of all time. Like, Tom Landry leads the NFL in career losses as a head coach. So he's the worst. Brett Favre leads the NFL He holds the NFL record for most interceptions. So that totally... Now, Brett Favre's done things off the field that we're not going to get into today. But those two had great careers, but we're going to eliminate them because one of their records that they hold are both bad. I think Jeff Fisher might have the record for most losses. I think he did pass him, but I'm not sure. But legendary careers, but nope, they weren't good because they, they threw a bunch of interceptions. They lost. And those the interceptions are more of, a, <laughs> more of a thing about someone's <laughs> legacy than losses, wins and losses. I don't know. I always find that argument stupid. I always find that argument stupid. Wins and losses. There's so many things. So the Bills, one of the losses that's going on Josh Allen's resume is the Chiefs game. So the one where he didn't get a play in overtime, that one counts. That one counts, I guess. Huh. That's crazy. I don't know. I always find that stupid. I always find it repetitive. I find it stupid. It's dumb. It's dumb. Like, do the because Jimmy Garoppolo has won this many games. Do I think he's an elite quarterback? No, I don't. I know there's an argument going around on social media, too, that the 49ers are a better team without Trey Lance. The 49ers are a better team with Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe for right now, because you watch Trey Lance play in three, two, uh, two and a what, a 16th of a game? In the NFL, one of them was a freaking monsoon. The other one, he snapped his ankles. We saw one game, really, of Trey Lance. And we're going to judge him off that and then go, now that he's hurt, oh, the 49ers are way better. Yeah, sure. For the here and now, because he has no time to develop right now, yeah, they're probably better. They are so limited in what they can do, though. So I don't want to hear the whole argument about 49ers are so much better with Jimmy Garoppolo. There's a reason they traded up to get Trey Lance in the first place. Now, I want—I know people are going to sit there and go, well, Logan, why'd they re-sign Jimmy? Well, first off, they didn't. They restructured his contract. Made him the highest paid backup in the league. Yeah, because he is the best backup in the league. <laughs> what other backups are going to get paid? Teddy Bridgewater, Jacoby Brissett. He's not tenni- I know he's not technically the backup right now. Then what other backups are there that we could consider? Tyrod Taylor? 
Anyone else? Anyone else? Like the, of course it's going to be the highest paid back. It's an opt out year. He's done after this year. No one would trade for him. They asked for way too much and pretty much just tried to bash his entire reputation, his entire offseason. He doesn't talk to coaches. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. He dates porn stars. He does all these different things. Why would you want him on your team? He had Julian Edelman talking about how he sat out of the game because his left shoulder was hurt. Not even not even bad, just hurt. And Jacoby Brissett played with torn ligaments in his thumb. And nobody liked him in New England. So it's all these different things. So nobody's going to trade for him. And when you're a team that's competing, is he the guy that's going to lead your team to the promised land? The 49ers would have won the Super Bowl against the Chiefs if he could throw a deep ball. We know that for a fact. I get he got him there. I get he got him there. But, or part of the reason he got there, not because they had an elite defensive line or anything, but it was all based back off the shoulders of Jimmy Garoppolo. And I understand the the, the team likes him. The team likes him. That's clear as day. But people wanted to bash Trey Lance because Jimmy Garoppolo scored a one-yard rushing touchdown. The team jumped around him. And now that's Trey. Now they never wanted Trey as the starter. Oh, they're so much better with Jimmy Garoppolo. I can name about 100 things Trey Lance can do that Jimmy can't. We just haven't had time for Trey to do that. We have no time for Trey to actually develop. He hasn't played football in about two years. He's played two in a 16th game over the course of two and a half years. And we're going to judge him like that. I understand the 49ers have a good structure around him right now. But we're not going to sit here and judge him off the performance we have seen because one was a monsoon, one he broke his ankle. And the other one he played against the Broncos in really just average game because it's his first game. Mahomes didn't look amazing in his first game in the NFL either. When he played the Denver Broncos in his first, it's conveniently that they both played the Denver Broncos. But you've seen as a project, didn't really play during the COVID year. He played one game against Central Arkansas, got drafted, played one game his next year, then was announced as the starter, played one game in a monsoon, and then broke his ankle. So we're looking at that's the amount of games we've seen Trey Lance in since he won the national championship at North Dakota State. So let's back off on the Trey Lance hate for the time being because in the long term, they are not better with Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback if they allow him time to develop. The Bills allowed Josh Allen time to develop. They would not be this team if Tyrod Taylor was the quarterback. I'm sorry for the people that love Tyrod Taylor. I love Tyrod Taylor. I don't have anything really that negative to say about Tyrod Taylor. But you look at what Tyrod Taylor can do when you see a guy like Josh Allen or you see a guy like Trey Lance that can elevate your offense. Sure, he's going to need some time. But that's going to elevate your offense immensely if you give him the right time. If you don't give up on him like that. Yes, the 49ers have a better roster than what the Bills did at that time. But give the dude time. That's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking. I'm, it amazes me. How many people jumped on the we hate Trey Lance bandwagon after the monsoon game against the Bears? It is amazing to me that that we jumped, we switched that quickly from people talking about this is one of the most exciting prospects in the 2021 NFL draft to now they are a better team with Jimmy Garoppolo as the quarterback. Why, why is this becoming a thing? Why are we suddenly going on down this route? I hate this route. I hate this road. I hate when people do this. It's what have you done for me lately, not what can you do for me. Trey Lance can be a lot better than Jimmy Garoppolo. There's a reason no one traded for him. Because they asked for too much, and no one sees them as, his, as their long-term answer. 
And if Kyle Shanahan had his way, the 49ers would have Mac Jones right now. And I have really no general issue with Mac Jones, apart from him being rated the 85th best player in the NFL last year. But Trey Lance could do so much more than Mac Jones. I'm sorry. John Lynch and the entire 49ers front office convinced Shanahan on Trey Lance. So now, what might be the case, and I don't know if I'm 100%, I just thought about this right now because I was thinking about past Shanahan experiences. Not this Shanahan, the other one. Over in Washington, the ownership and the GM wanted uh, RG3. Played a premium to trade up and get him. Coaching staff was never really too keen on the idea and wanted them to draft Kirk Cousins later and ended up going with Kirk Cousins, didn't give RG3 the time. Though he balled out in his first year, one rookie of the year, once he got hurt, oh, okay, now we have an excuse. Kyle Shanahan pretty much openly wanted Mac Jones. And he's quote-unquote winning with Jimmy Garoppolo so, is this another one of the Shanahan situations? Are we not going to have Trey Lance get any time whatsoever and he's going to fade out? Because his chances of fading out now have increased mightily now that he's broke his ankle. He's going to be out for up, coming up next season for three years without playing any meaningful games. He has played three games in three years if he play, once he plays next year. Three games in three years. One of those being in college. One of them being in a monsoon. And he had to start last year and then broke his ankle this year. So, I... You know me. You know me. I've been on the Trey Lance bandwagon for a while now. I watched him at North Dakota State. Was a baller. I was high on him before even the draft process started. Just watching what he can do. He's got a lot to work on. I just want him to get that time. Like, actual game time. I know he's like, oh, but he's had all offseason of practice. We need to see it in the game. We need to have him have legit time as the main guy in San Francisco. I want to see it. But I'm not on the the whole let's bash Trey Lance now thing. Because we saw him not play very good against the Bears in a monsoon. And, forget, and then praise Justin Fields, who I think had the, the least amount of pass attempts in the NFL that week. And then that followed it up with another thing this week. And that actually brings up a good point. I've kind of forgot about this. Uh, I So, Justin Fields and Trey Lance both drafted in the same year. And I like Justin Fields a lot. I think one of the, the one of my favorite college football games I've ever watched was the Clemson-Ohio State college football semifinal game. Where Justin Fields broke his ribs, but proceeded to throw like five or six touchdowns against Clemson once they said that... Uh, Ohio State doesn't even deserve to be here. We had him like number 11th or something in, in his coach's poll or something. And then Ohio State ended up shit, blo- st- shit blocking, shit stomping them in the semifinal. But Justin, 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 I understand your frustrations. Okay. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, Justin Fields after the Packers game on Sunday, which there are a lot of things that I think should have gone the Bears' way that ultimately didn't. And that starts the whole conspiracy theory. I've got. Friends that are Packers, Vikings, Bears fans, they all, like, Packers obviously aren't going to say the refs are with them. Everybody else says, the oh, there's favoritism towards the Packers and all that stuff. And there's going to be frustrations. When you get a touchdown or get a couple or don't get things to go your way, there's going to be some frustrations. And you're a team that's not supposed to be very good, so you're already going to have frustrations on, on top of the frustrations that you're just now getting into. 
So Justin Fields in the post-game press conference pretty much said something along the lines of, I understand the fans are frustrated, but they're not with us every day. So the fans aren't working hard or something like that. I got I got to try and find the quote because I, I forgot about this till right now. What did he say? I don't remember. Where is this? No one, no one tweeted a quote out. Oh, it hurts in the locker room more than for Bears fans. They aren't putting any putting in any work. Now, Justin, I know he's not going to listen to this show, but <laughs> as someone that's followed the NFL for all my life and just followed the quarterback position all my life as well, you can't say that. It doesn't matter if you're right. It doesn't matter if he's right or wrong. This situation does not matter. You cannot openly criticize the fans. That is something you cannot do. Because those people will turn on you, and you've got like Joe Schmoe, it's like, oh, I paid his salary, and all that kind of stuff. You cannot criticize the fans, because if the fans turn on you, you ain't going to have nobody. And I like Justin Fields a lot. I think he's uber talented. I think the Bears got a guy at quarterback. I like Justin Fields a lot. If they give him time and an off the line and some other weapons, because they got no weapons, apart from David Montgomery, and Darnell Mooney, who I don't think is the number one, but he's a decent wideout. And that's it. O-line stinks. Cole Komet, I just talked to our guy at our office named Sean. He hates Cole Komet. He's done with Cole Komet. So the Bears really have nothing going for Justin on offense. They just need to give him some pieces there. And then I think they've got something. But <laughs> you can't, under any circumstance, under any circumstance, come out and openly criticize the fans. Especially... If you're the franchise quarterback, especially then. And I'm not sitting here saying like, I'm going to, I would I'd be a perfect quarterback and all that stuff. And I do Justin Fields job way better. I'm never going to say that. I think Justin Fields is one of the most talented guys in the NFL. You just can't do that. <laughs> so Bears fans are upset to a certain extent, rightfully or wrongfully so, however you want to look at it, because their quarterback openly criticized them. And this goes into the old age topic of, of fans think they're untouchable and things like that. It's all give and take here. And you just can't do that. <laughs> it's not, he didn't even say anything generally that bad, really. Because it on, a, on the grand scheme of things, it's true. It's 100% true. Nobody feels the pain of a loss more than the players that are playing the game. Nobody. The fans are not going in every week of practice thinking that they got a great game plan together and all this kind of stuff. They think they've got this awesome thing that's going to beat the Packers, beating Aaron Rodgers just five times. They would love to beat him finally in Lambeau, and then you lose. Due to some, again, unfortunate circumstances. I think Justin Fields scored the rushing touchdown. That's one of the circumstances I'm talking about. It doesn't matter, though. He said, I, gen in general speaking, being in a locker room, Sometimes that's the conversation that gets had in the locker room. You're frustrated, especially after a loss. You're going to say frustrating things. You might say things that are true. <laughs> hey, you don't mean at the time. You might mean it. You might think it every day, but you don't want to say it. And he's kind of tracked back a little bit on it, but you just can't say it. Doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. Can't say it. I'm sorry. <laughs> you can't. You can't. And I like. I think Justin will be fine. I but Bears fans, very famous for hating their own team. So I think that they will have no issue from the Bears fans I have talked to have any issue of bashing Justin Fields. I don't think they'll have any issue with that. 
because they already hate their team. <laughs> they already hate them. So you're just adding more fuel to the fire for the hate that they already have. And uh, I think this would be kind of an interesting topic. Uh, which QBs, I saw this on Instagram from part of my take, which QBs in the NFL are quote unquote the guy? Okay. And this one, we're going to use some potential here because I feel that's important to look at how, if you feel like you can build with this guy or not. And there's 32 quarterbacks in the NFL. Can you build with him? If you can, yes, he's the guy. doesn't matter how rough he's looking at the time being. If you think he's the guy and you've seen things that you're like, yeah, he's the guy, he's the guy. But if you look at him and go, well, we're pretty limited in what we got here, we could upgrade. That's not the guy, if you understand how that works. So here we go. This is some, there's 32 teams in the NFL. We're just going with division by division. Uh, real quick fire. Real quick fire. Bills, Josh Allen. Okay, I, we're going to eliminate some teams here. I don't want to do it. We're going to eliminate some teams. We're going to eliminate the Bills, Josh Allen. Ravens, Lamar Jackson. Pay the man. We're going to eliminate the Bengals with Joe Burrow. We're going to eliminate the Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence. Because I'm pretty sure. No, we're not going to eliminate. No, not yet. Not yet. Top, top guys. We're going to eliminate the top, top guys. So, Bills, Ravens, Bengals, Chiefs, Chargers, of course, Broncos, Cowboys. Why am I doing it like this? No, I, I keep, I'm ruining my own thing I'm trying to do. Bills, Ravens, Bengals, Chargers, Chiefs, Packers, Bucks. That's, yeah, okay, whatever. I don't know why I even did that part at the beginning. AFC East. Bill's got their guy. He is the guy. Josh Allen is him. Josh Allen is the best quarterback in the NFL right now. So, yes, the Bills have got the guy. The Dolphins, I'm not sure. This is one of those 50-50 things. I think Mike McDaniels likes him. It's clear that Stephen Ross and Chris Greer like Tua. They played a whole campaign about tank for Tua. But best believe if Lamar Jackson's available, I bet they'd rather have Lamar Jackson than Tua. I'm sorry, Dolphins fans. That's the truth. Lamar is from South Florida. Lamar is from Florida. If he has a chance to go to Miami, he will. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Dolphins have already showed they're not afraid to splash big cash. They paid Xavier Howard. They played Byron Jones, Taron Armstead, Tyreek Hill. They paid all these people. They're not afraid to splash the cash. So if Lamar Jackson or someone of that essence becomes available, like they were linked with Sean Watson. Like, if they feel they can upgrade the position, they will do it. I think they, I think there's options out there to where they can. The Patriots, that's another 50-50 one. Mac Jones is very limited in what he could do. But the Patriots are a shit show on offense in general anyways. Matt Patricia and Joe Judge calling plays is not going to bring anybody success. They have no real weapons on the outside either. They have no real... I mean, the offensive line's fine enough, but they're not... I, I feel kind of sorry for me. No, I don't. What the hell am I talking about? I don't feel sorry for any Patriots player. But, yeah, that's more 50-51. The Jets, we're not going to say Joe Flacco. <laughs> we're not going to say Flacco for night now. Uh, Zach Wilson, this one's a little bit on the upper side of the 50-50 because I think he's really talented. I think he can do a lot of things in the NFL that not a lot of other quarterbacks can do. He comes in a similar mold, not necessarily that he will become this player or is this player now. He can do a lot similar-ish things to Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if he'll ever become as good as Patrick Mahomes. He might never He might never be as good as Patrick Mahomes. I think that's a really real possibility. 
But I think that option of having a guy that can make all these throws, that can make some off-platform throws, and the team likes him. The team likes him. They all rallied around that Zach Wilson's got that dog in him thing that they had this offseason. Like, hey, Zach Wilson, I like him for the most part. I We just need to see more. He's been injured a lot so far in his NFL career. Ravens, Lamar, yes. Bengals, Burrow, yes. Browns, Deshaun, in general, yes. The Steelers, I think Kenny Pickett is their guy, but I I said this during the preseason. I, I don't really see a world where we can continue with the Trubisky thing. It's not really working for me. It's not. I wanted Trubisky to get an option or get a chance to be a starter in the NFL again. You got to put Pickett in. But Tomlin's an old school guy. I love Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin's one of my favorite coaches in the NFL because he's one of those guys where you just don't want to upset. You don't want to disappoint him. Like those coaches, I feel, are always the best, best coaches. They're not necessarily always going to be right in your face, get bright red and all that stuff yelling at you. But you know when you disappointed them, you might never get that trust back. And that's one of the scariest feelings in the world. I feel like the Bills got that with Sean McDermott as well. I feel like that's kind of those guys. You don't want to disappoint them. Don't want to disappoint them. You want to be liked by them. And they're, they'll be with the team. They'll be hyped up with the team. I love seeing all the videos of Mike Tomlin after games, but he ain't going to play Pickett right away. But I think Pickett is the guy once they start playing him. Texans, sadly not. I like Davis Mills. Uh, well, on the lower side of 50-50. He's, uh, he's stuck in a weird place. He's stuck in a weird place. He's on a very bad team, or on a bad team, on a bad team with the option of them being able to get C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young later. I think that opens up a lot of doors for the Texans, and that closes a lot of them for Davis Mills. He's in that Gardner Minshew mold right now where a lot of people like him. Maybe not to the extent of what people liked Gardner Minshew, but he's going to be in that situation of, no matter how good he is, if they have a chance to draft C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, they're going to do it. It doesn't matter if you think they should or you like Davis Mills or whatever. They're going to do it. If they if they get into that range, if they get in the range. Colts, Matt Ryan, no, he's not the guy. He was a guy once upon a time, but he's old now. He's not very good right now. He's not he's not great right now. The Colts look really bad. The Colts look really bad. They just got blinked 24-0 by the Jaguars. And Matt Ryan did not play well in that game. He didn't necessarily play that great against the Texans week one. Like These are two supposed to be dubs. For the Colts. But as a team, they have just struggled. They have so much talent on this team. Like, I, if they don't make the playoffs this year, heads will freaking roll. I don't know who's, but they will roll. I liked what the Colts have done on the roster, but their quarterback situation, I like Matt Ryan in general terms. I think he's a very good quarterback, but he's not, I don't, he's not their guy. He's not the, the guy. Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence, I, you can see signs of him being the guy. Yes. You can see the progression. I think getting a guy in there like Doug Peterson is massive for Trevor Lawrence. And and going in this offseason and getting all these pieces for him has been massive, massive too. It's been massive. Regardless of how you feel about the money getting spent around different places, they, it has been big on development for, for Trevor Lawrence. Titans, Ryan Tannehill, nope, I'm done with Ryan Tannehill. I'm done. Uh, he's just not it anymore. I thought he was good a few years ago, but he's just he's just not very good. He's just not. And Malik Willis, do I think he's the guy? I think he definitely has the potential to be. I don't know how he fell all the way to the third round. I don't think he's ready in any stretch of the imagination. 
but he played last night. He was the first rookie quarterback to play in the NFL, and he didn't look great. He still's got like the Josh Allen esque rookie in him, where he, every ball is on a freaking line. He's throwing the ball at 100 miles an hour every single freaking time. Like that's what <laughs> that's what Malik Willis is doing right now. I think Malik Willis has all the potential in the world to be that guy for the Titans. And I think a backfield with him and Derrick Henry would be very, very scary. Because Malik Willis is not the tallest guy in the world, but he's a big dude. Him and Jalen Hurts are kind of that similar mold, but he's I think he's fat he is faster than Jalen Hurts. But he's as big as him. He just needs to get some things figured out in the pass game, but I think he could be that. But Ryan Taylor, I don't think so. Russell Wilson, I think you could pretty much say yeah for right now for the AFC West in general, especially for the Chiefs and Chargers, obviously. The Raiders, I like Derek Carr to a certain extent. I don't think he's amazing, but, I mean, he's fine. He's a fine quarterback. Nothing spectacular. He hasn't looked the greatest at the start of the season. Looked bad against the Chargers week one. And then they had that debacle, I guess, against the Cardinals. But Derek Carr, I think Derek Carr was on the field for an hour and a half in that Cardinals game. I There was a, a portion of the game where he was out of the – the offense was out of the game for about an hour and a half. It was insane. I don't know how it worked out. And we didn't <laughs> – so the game ended while we were recording the show – on Sunday, so I didn't know what happened. I didn't know the Cardinals came back. Well, I, wa- I watched it after the show was over. I watched it, but I did not know that the Cardinals, what they were doing or how they came back in the game because that was freaking ridiculous. But that there's another one. Is that loss on Derek Carr? Or is that on the defense totally falling apart? So there's another thing, wins and losses. Is that a quarterback stat? Like, I don't think Derek Carr played great in the game in general, but it, the loss, Hunter Renfro fumbled twice, and the fumble was picked up and ran in for a touchdown. That's not on Derek Carr that that loss happened, but that's going to go in his record. But, yeah, he hasn't played great at the start of the year, but I do think for right now he's their guy. And then Russell Wilson, he's kind of struggled this year, but I think that's just going to go down with the new coach, new system. He's been in the same system for 10 years, however long he's been in Seattle. Like, yeah, they've had a different office coordinators, but Pete Carroll's got his hands all over that team. So, yeah, Russell Wilson, I think, is the guy, but he is struggling right now. NFC, Dak, yeah, I think he's the guy. Giants, Daniel Jones, I've said I've I've hold out a lot of hate for Daniel Jones. I told my dad last night I've been defending Daniel Jones a lot recently over the past like year and a half because I've been on the mindset that I think Daniel Jones is really talented. I think – or not really. I think he is talented. I think Daniel Jones has all the tools to be a very solid quarterback in the NFL. Very solid. He could run. He's accurate. Sure, he makes the boneheaded play every once in a while, like if he trips over his own feet or fumbles every other carry. But I think once he gets that stuff tricked out of him, I think someone like Dave will help him. A healthy Saquon Barkley will definitely help there too. I think he's got a chance. Like I've I've seen people bash Daniel Jones for years. Like I get he's derpy and all that kind of stuff, but I'm still holding out a little bit. I'm still holding out for him a little bit. I don't think he's the guy right now. I think he can be, though. Uh, the Eagles, Jalen Hurts, yeah, he's their guy. What we say at the beginning of the year, I think Jalen Hurts can develop in a top 10 quarterback. I think that's, I think, I feel vindicated after this season has started. That was my hot take. Remember when we talked about Kevin and Zach's show? Where we went to hot takes and never actually did them? I talked about my hot take the next show. Jalen Hurts, I think, can develop into a top 10 quarterback. I don't think that's out of the question at all. I think he's got the right mentality. I think his teammates like him. He's a great leader. He's a good runner. 
He's got all the tools. He just needs to be that little more consistent in the pass game, which he has shown this year. The Eagles looked scary last night. They looked scary. They beat the shit out of the Vikings last night. Vikings offense looked bad in every single facet. Darius Slay was all over the place. It was making plays all over the defense. Kirk was completely off. I don't know what the hell was going on with Kirk that game because it was a completely different Kirk than what we saw against the Packers. But, man, I do like Jalen Hurts a lot. I do like Jalen Hurts. Commanders, Carson Wentz, I have no idea. Where where does the jury lie on Carson Wentz? Do we still think he's a really good quarterback? Or is he, like, Carson Wentz is a uh, a walking, I don't, I don't know what you'd want to call it. You just get scared every time he does anything. You just get really nervous. Like, oh, he's dropping back. Oh, God, this could go anywhere. But he's like, I think he's second in the league in passing yards. One of the top dudes in the NFL in touchdowns or something like that. Like, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy what Carson Wentz has done this year with the Commanders. Like, the Jaguars game was the most Carson Wentz-esque game of all time. Ridiculous how Carson Wentz was doing in that game. But it was fun to watch, but I don't think he's their guy long term. I like Carson Wentz to a certain extent, but I don't think he's their guy. The Bears, Justin Fields, yeah, I think he's their guy. I do think he is, no matter if the fans hate him or not. <laughs> but I think he can develop into that guy. The stat, Goff of the Lions, no, he's not their guy long term. I like Jared Goff. I do like Jared Goff. But they're going to draft a guy eventually to replace him after this year because he. I think he's got one year on his contract next year. I think next year is, his, is where his contract ends. I think. I could be wrong. Packers, Rodgers, yeah, they just signed him to a four-year exit. Yeah. Vikings, Kirk Cousins, on the higher side of 50-50 because there's a lot of Vikings fans that do not like Kirk Cousins. I think Kirk Cousins gets an insane amount of hate for no real reason. Like, I, my friend Noah sent me a clip on Twitter the other day. It was the most nitpicky thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, it was something about, oh, he opened up the wrong way. Oh, that means he's not a good quarterback. No, there's miscommunications in every single play. Not every play is going to run perfectly. You just need to get the ball down the field. And he completed like a 50-yard pass to Justin Jefferson. So nitpicky. I understand why, because Kirk Cousins kind of falls in that category of Daniel Jones where he's a little derpy. Hell, derpy, where some people have a hard time falling behind him because he's so derpy. He's just this dork that says frick all the time and all that stuff. But I don't think he's a bad quarterback at all. I don't, I don't, I don't understand the hate with Kirk Cousins. It's kind of frustrating at times. I'm not even a Vikings fan. Uh, pretty much every team in the NFC stout barring the Bucks. No, uh, we got Mariota, Mayfield, Winston. <laughs> no. And Brady, but he's 44, probably retiring after this year. So even probably Brady not <laughs> for the long term, no. But right now, yeah. But, they, yeah, that division is tough. <laughs> that division is tough. And then NFC West, uh, everybody, yeah, except for the Seahawks. Geno Smith, sorry. <laughs> Maybe Drew Locke's the guy. Maybe Drew Locke's the guy. But Kyler, yeah. Stafford, yeah. Uh, Trey Lance, he's healthy, I think he is. Uh, the Seahawks with Geno. It's just... <laughs> I still can't believe Gino. That line he dropped at the end of the game uh, for the the Seahawks Broncos game, when the people, when the reporters like they've written you off, and he's like, I didn't write back. That was cold. I did like that. I did enjoy that line. I did enjoy that line. Though I find it really funny that Geno Smith's in the NFL again playing quarterback. I did find that that line fair. I did. I did like it. I did like it. But <laughs> this week in the NFL has been really fun. I have thoroughly enjoyed every single thing that has happened in the NFL this season because it's it, it's just crazy. 
Everything that's been going on has been crazy this year. The Bills went in by however many points their first two games against the two teams that had 12 wins the season prior. The Bears almost beaten the Packers. The Cardinals, however they won against the Raiders, don't know how that game happened. The Chiefs, how they won against the Chargers. The Giants beat the Giants are 2-0, which is ridiculous. The Monsoon game, like, there's so many cool things that are happening in the NFL. It makes me makes me very, very excited for, <laughs> for, the, for the rest of the season. But now, though the NFL has been really, really fun, we gotta we gotta go over something that's also it's also been fun. I don't wanna I don't wanna discredit it at all. I do not want to discredit college football at all this season because this season college football has been pretty fun. I have thoroughly enjoyed. There's been some major upsets already. We've been three weeks in this season. We've already had some major, major upsets. We got some fun matchups too starting off here. We had some fun matchups week one, some fun matchups week two, though a lot of matches week two were blowouts in the games we thought would be blowouts. Turned out to be pretty solid games. And then, or no, we, we're in week, we're in week four. I mean, you know, NFL time. Week three, we had some games we thought were going to be blowouts. Weren't blowouts. Then we thought some games were going to be blowouts, and then we're blowouts. And then week two, we had the upset week. And then week one, we just had, like, you know, Georgia annihilating Oregon and all those, that, all that awesome stuff. But, man, I have enjoyed, football's just been fun. This has been one of the most fun starts to a season I've had in a very, very long time. Now, that being said, I bitched about this a little bit on Monday's show where I'm looking at the state, the landscape of quarterbacks going into the 2023 NFL draft. And apart from the top two guys who everybody knows at this point, the rest of them, ha- there hasn't been a lot of consistency in the quarterback play this year, apart from the top two guys, because we know what the top two guys are. We have question marks over everybody else in the draft class in regards to the quarterback position. And there hasn't really been that moment where you go, there we go, that's this guy, that's this guy. I mean, we've had moments, but there hasn't been anything that's really separated others from other everybody else. You've had the one, like Anthony Richardson, this is a prime example of this, and we'll talk about him a little bit. Anthony Richardson had an explosive week one, explosive week one. People like myself were very high on him going into the season, saying that he had all the potential in the world to be one of the best quarterbacks in college football, be one of the top picks in next year's draft. But not a lot of people, maybe there was more people that I'm giving credit for were like, oh, Anthony Richards is going to be a baller. Because I remember ESPN at the start of the year, we were like, where's Florida in all these lists? We have like Auburn in this list, but where's Florida in regards to possible dark horse college football playoff teams? And then Anthony Richardson was the main reason why I thought that. Bill Napier coming in, an exciting coach from Louisiana. Like, I was like, oh, Florida's going to be fun. And they are fun. But good Lord, they can be insanely frustrating as well. And Anthony Richardson did such a great week one where people start throwing him in Heisman, Heisman candidacies and stuff like that. And in the past two weeks, have kind of, he's kind of struggled. He's kind of struggled, not going to lie. Like, this first game of the season, he had three rushing touchdowns. Didn't have a passing touchdown, but he didn't have any interceptions. Three total touchdowns on the day, over 270 yards to offense. Awesome stuff. But then the next two weeks, he's barely passed that in total yards for that one game that he had against Utah, who's arguably the best team they played all year. Because I know Kentucky fans will have something to say about that. But he struggled against South Florida, a team where he put up over 200 yards total offense against them, too, in limited action, because Emory Jones threw two really bad interceptions. That was the game that was going to bring Anthony Richardson into the starting job, but he got hurt. He got a concussion. That was going to be that game. So going into this game, I was like, oh, they'll blow him out. Anthony Richardson played really well 
against South Florida last year. And after watching what South Florida did against BYU week one, I was like, oh, Florida's going to annihilate them. With how Anthony Richardson was playing week one, I know Kentucky's a tough team. It's an SEC opponent. They played two top 20 teams when they played them, Utah and Kentucky, both at home. Tough games. So USF, I was like, oh, this will be easy for them. USF's not at that level at all. And USF came in and until late, they were winning. They're up to 28 to 24. And Andy Richardson threw a couple bad interceptions, still has yet to register a passing touchdown this season. But I'm holding out hope for him because I think he's insanely talented. I think he's one of the most talented quarterbacks we have in college football. And I just need to see that consistency from him. The same thing goes for Will Levis from Kentucky. So we have the quarterback rankings out for you. And you can check that out at thelogobibleshow.com on the Go in the Blog section, or you can just follow me on social media accounts, the ones that we mentioned earlier. But Will Levis hasn't been great either. Will Levis is one of the most athletic quarterbacks like Anthony Richardson. He's a big dude, can run the ball really well. He's Penn State's running quarterback when he was there with Sean Clifford. And this year, we saw what he did last year. He was all right last year. Had some inconsistencies to get over, but played well. Played well. And this year, it was going to be that step. And he's looked good. There have been games he has looked good, but he has yet to have a single game where he hasn't turned the ball over. He looked good, in the for the most part, against Youngstown State. Threw for, it was the second most pass yards he's ever had in a game was against Youngstown State. 377 yards. Two touchdowns, two picks. Ran for over a yard for the first time all season, which I didn't think was that crazy to think of for Will Levis. But he hasn't looked great either against Florida. He didn't look great against uh, Miami, Ohio week one or Ball State. I don't remember which one it was. One of the Mac schools. Week one, he didn't look great in either one of those. So, and then Tyler Van Dyke, he hasn't looked great in long stretches of games. Didn't have a great game against AM. Didn't play that great against Southern Miss. Struggled for the most part against Southern Miss. Fumbled a snap in their first game against Bethune-Cookman, even though they won 73-7. And then the quarterbacks after that, like Jaron Hall, didn't play well against Oregon this past week. They got blown out late in that game. Tatum McKee had a bad game against Utah, against USC. Like, it's just so weird how this quarterback class is working out right now. Because the top two guys will stay the top two guys throughout the entire process. No doubt in my mind. They're, they're the top two guys for a reason. They're the top two guys in the preseason, and they're the top two guys now. Now, the order for me has changed because Bryce Hall, or Bryce Hall, <laughs> Bryce Young, this past week, Alabama just got done playing Louisiana Monroe. 163-7. But that game is one of the games where you can look at and go, that's not one Bryce Young one for Alabama. Like, I can look at the Texas game and go, that's a game Bryce Young put Alabama on his shoulders and they won. They, he didn't do that against Louisiana Monroe. And in games like that, I guess you don't really need to. You want your quarterbacks to carry your team in a, in a game where it's you're struggling a little bit. But in that game, special teams, the defense, they, they – Will Anderson interception, they had two punt – they had two special teams touchdowns. One was a punt block. Kool-Aid McKinstry had like 180-something return yards. They had over 200-yard punt, punt return yards. Like, their defense and special teams what won the game. And Bryce Young threw two pretty bad interceptions – I don't know which one you would say was worse. The first one, play took really long to develop. He had a lot of time. He had a lot of time to do stuff back there. Rolled out to the right, and he saw a receiver who was open for a split second, but he he short-armed it. He stood still in the pocket. I think he would have done – now, 
I this is crazy because I'm telling Bryce Young what to do. But I think if he kept rolling out, I think he had a better chance of a completion because his momentum stopped. He flat-footed throw that he short-armed, and the defender had enough time to react to it. If he's running a little bit more towards the sideline, I think he put it closer to the sideline because the receiver's momentum was carrying him towards the sideline. And Bryce Young is accurate enough to where I know he's probably got the confidence to go, I can make that throw. But again, he short-armed it. And the defender had enough time to bounce back because he had a defender on his back shoulder, the receiver, but the guy jumped in front of the route, another defender, and just jumped up and got the interception. The second one came in the form of a read option play that he pulled and didn't have his feet really set. And it was an awkward one to begin with anyways. I always find it hard to have the ones where you're reading and then you're just turning and throw. Those are always a little bit iffy. And this one he threw high. You're working with such little, such tiny, minuscule amounts of room to where it's just impossible. It, you, ha- you cannot afford to make a mistake. To any in any circumstance, you cannot afford to make a mistake in those situations. And Bryce Young sailed it over the receiver's head and was behind him. Then the defender made a nice interception on the play, but it just wasn't a great overall play for Bryce Young. I'm sure he definitely wants both those throws back, but it didn't hurt Alabama in the end. And then for C.J. Stroud, C.J. Stroud, like I don't, I it felt like he was playing seven on seven the entire time. Like I don't think uh, Toledo's pass rush did anything. The entire game. I don't know what the official pass, like quarterback pressure stats are, but it felt like they did nothing that entire time. Ohio State literally did whatever they wanted. They went 77 to 21, dominating game on offense. Like, and as the game progressed, the more open the receivers got for Ohio State. Like, the first two touchdowns for Stroud, I apologize for that, were the receivers made great catches. Like, C.J. Stroud placed the ball beautifully to Marvin Harrison Jr. in the the, the pilot on the top of the field. I, I'm trying to – I kind of – whatever side. I don't know if it was Ohio State side, Toledo side, I don't remember. But towards the top pylon, front corner of the end zone, placed it beautifully. Marvin Harrison Jr. got a great catch in that. There's not a lot of defenders in the country that are making a play on that ball anyways. But if he makes the wrong throw or if he puts the ball a little bit off, we saw that against, with, against USF for – Anthony Richardson, pretty much the exact same throw. Pretty much the exact same thing. But Anthony Richardson threw it not great, and it got jumped the route. The USF guy jumped the route. They were both in the red zone when it happened, but one ended up in a touchdown, one ended up in an interception. And that just goes to show how much better Stroud and Young are than the other guys in this class to this point. I think that throw amplifies it to a certain extent. To a certain extent. Because I think C.J. Stroud's more of a... We knew what we were going to get from this season. There's still a work in progress with Anthony Richardson. There's still a work in progress there. People are going like, oh, you got a linebacker playing quarterback. I, I hate when people start making those stupid positional comparisons about like, oh, Lamar Jackson's a running back, that type of stuff. That's kind of what the same thing is. Anthony Richardson's a big dude. But Anthony Richardson's got an absolute hose for an arm. I just need to see him get a little more consistent with it. But in the game, as the game went on, like C.J. Stroud threw a ball to Fleming, I think. On the opposite sideline, it was a great. That was more of a great catch by Fleming. Stroud rolled out to the left, rolled out to the right, and this is what we were talking about a little bit with Bryce Young earlier. He said he didn't set his feet, kept rolling out, threw the ball, led the receiver that direction. Great catch, absolutely great catch. Toe tap catch. I think it would have been a catch in the NFL. It was a first rule that incomplete pass. First rule incomplete pass, but they changed it, put him up twenty-seven to seven. Those two plays, CJ Stroud had to work for it a little bit more, just for a little bit more. 
The receivers had to get open. The receivers had to make great plays on it. The rest of the game, it was like like a slant route to Marvin Harrison Jr. Then there was a couple other – I don't remember the, the other two touchdowns that in that much detail because they weren't anything spectacular. I remember the Marvin Harrison one a lot because that was a great toe-touch touchdown by Marvin Harrison Jr. because he had other receivers open on the play too and he hit him. It was a little – tried to lead him a little too much, but again, great catch. But it was just so easy. Like I don't think there was any stress for C.J. Stroud the entire game. And in games like that, I don't understand why it was a primetime game. And not only was it a primetime game, why the hell was it on Fox? Why couldn't we put it on the Big Ten Network? That feels like such a primetime Big Ten Network game or 11 o'clock Big Ten Network game or something like that. That does not feel like a 7 o'clock primetime kickoff on Fox. Why do we have to watch Toledo get, allow 77 points and get shit stomped when everybody knows they're going to get No one was surprised by what happened. Ohio State's got the best offense in college football right now. Statistically and literally, like it's just everybody knows they're the best offense in college football. And I'm fearing every single day we get closer to that Ohio State Iowa game. I know Iowa's defense is amazing, but Iowa's offense cannot keep up with that. They can't. But Ohio State's played Wisconsin this week. And Wisconsin, like Iowa, has a really solid defense. They're always going to have a solid defense. But their offense is not very good. Wisconsin's offense is pretty bleh, like really, really boring. But I don't think with it being at the horseshoe at night, I don't think there's really any chance in hell Wisconsin win this game. Because it's one of those situations, sure, your defense is going to play well. Your defense is good. You can rely on your defense. But there's a there's only so much defense can bend before they break. And Ohio State's going to hit them with everything. Because you get, like, they've proved the past few weeks they're just so much more than Jackson Smith and Jigba out wide. Marvin Harrison Jr. is a baller. Uh, Abuka is crazy as well. They got Travion Henderson at running back. Like they've got so many options to hit you with. They're not just one to two guys. And we knew they had the best trio going into college football in regards to an offensive trio and Stroud, Henderson, and uh Jackson Smith and Jig, but we knew that they had that. And now they're just adding more to that. So Wisconsin, I don't think they can keep up with them. They're gonna bend. They're gonna hold them back as much as they can, but once they break, that thing's gonna explode. At least that's how it feels. Like CJ Stroud. Uh, we talked about this in Notre Dame game. He didn't put up, like, the most jaw-dropping numbers. But he was efficient as hell in that game. Against the Blitz, I think he only had one in completion. Against Notre Dame, a game I thought Ohio State would roll through, which, looking back on it, I'm really surprised they didn't roll through that game. But that was just a really efficient game from Stroud. And as the season progressed, he's just gotten better and better statistic numbers. So people are looking and go, wow, wow, wow. Because when you had that first game against Notre Dame, everybody was kind of, not everybody, but there was a few, the vocal minority were going out there and going like, wow, he didn't put up the monster numbers we're looking for. What the hell is this? Well, you didn't watch the game. You didn't watch anything. You just saw the stats. This is why stats can be very, very misleading because C.J. Stroud didn't put up like 500 yards passing and 18 touchdowns or whatever. He had a nice quiet, I think, 270 with two touchdowns, something like that. I could be wrong about the numbers. I think that's what it was in that game. But it was just super efficient. Some of the throws he made were amazing. But this week, uh, I had to move just based off what I saw. Because I know it's hard. You look at what Alabama and Ohio State have done this year in regards to uh, competition. I, I, you could say they're relatively similar. Like, Alabama has played Utah State, Texas, and Louisiana Monroe. And then you had Ohio State play Notre Dame, 
Arkansas State, and Toledo. Relatively similar. I think Utah State's better than the, the two lower-level FBS teams Ohio State played, but still, it's a game where they're going to have really no issues with. But the first games, I think they're relatively similar. Young and Stroud. I don't think there's a lot you could separate them. I I had Stroud at, or I had Young at one, so I kept him at one. This past week, against a lower-level opponent, Young didn't play that. I mean, he completed a decent amount of passes. He was like 13 for 18 or something like that. He had three touchdowns. He had a rushing touchdown as well where he took the defenders completely out of their shoes on that one. But just based off what Stroud did the past two weeks, it's kind of hard for me not to go C.J. Stroud as the number one guy right now. It's very hard for me not to say that. I had to be, like, trying to say that. Do I think Young is more talented than than C.J. Stroud? Yes, I do. I think C.J. Stroud is insanely talented, but I just think Bryce Young is that level a little bit more talented. But I think, like, I think Bryce Young will still win the Heisman. I think Bryce Young is the top for the Heisman, but... I think that C.J. Stroud's passed him, at least for now, in the 2023 NFL quarterback draft rankings. And if we're being honest, I don't know if we really have any other quarterbacks right now, at least for this draft class, at least for this draft class, that are in that conversation for a possible Heisman candidacy. Because we're looking at Anthony Richardson, who I think, again, has all the tools to be a very successful quarterback. We just haven't seen it the past two weeks. I think it could get there. I think he can be one of the best of the best, but he's just struggling right now. I think Will Levis has a skill set as well, and if Kentucky keeps playing the way they do and we see more consistent play out of him, I think a lot of people would like to see a school like Kentucky that football's not necessarily their number one priority have a guy that goes on to win the Heisman. It was like when RG3 won the Heisman with Baylor. Like, that was sick. Like, we never had a person from Baylor win the Heisman never happened but it was really cool when it did I'd like to see that a little bit with Will Levis but the rest of the quarterbacks in this class like Caleb Williams is going to be up there from USC but he's going to be in next year's draft class he'll be the number one guy for next year at least that's what it seems like right now unless something insane happens I think he's the number one and I think we have to talk about this too just speaking of Caleb Williams I didn't even really think about this Jordan Addison's probably the number one guy in the out of the receivers at this point in time just because Jackson Smith and Jigba's uh Recent health concerns, I guess we could call it that. Recent injury history. So Jordan Addison, I think, has to be the number one guy. Kayshawn Booty is just, he's playing with an offense that's not really that great. So it's one of those situations, we said this even before the season started with Kayshawn Booty, that he's going to struggle the most out of Addison and Jigba and himself because there's more question marks on LSU's quarterback. We know who Jordan Addison's quarterback is. We know who Jackson Smith and Jigba quarterback is. We know how good they are. We don't know if it was going to be Jaden Daniels or there's a freshman there. Like, there was all these other – Colt, uh, not Colt Brennan. Uh, Miles Brennan was still there at the time before he retired. Like, they had options. We all kind of knew or kind of figured that Jaden Daniels would eventually be the starter, but there were so many question marks around there. You have Brian uh, – crap, 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 crap. Oh, my God. I am completely blanking their head coach. My family – who, who, oh my God, I'm completely blanking on the coach right now. Brian Kelly? Yeah, Brian, Ke- <laughs> good Lord. Good Lord. We were struggling there for a little bit. But man, this draft's fun. This draft's going to be really, really fun. And we're looking at the, the rest of the quarterback class, at least the ones from this week. We got Jaron Hall from BYU still at number six. He. This one was so weird because BYU was in it. For like early, early on in the game, and I was like, "Oh, 
I think we could see an upset here. I picked BYU to win this game. Not well, maybe not win. We had them to cover. I, I I picked them on Colin Company for them to cover, and then Oregon just started laying the hammer down. They were down. They were down seven ten. Scored early in the second quarter. It's like, oh, this is gonna be a nice back and forth game, and then Oregon went on to score the next twenty eight points unanswered. Like it was just insane how quickly this game turned on its head. I'm not saying Jaron Hall played his greatest football game of all time, but with Tanner McKee being on a bye week, and speaking of Tanner McKee, we're going to have a little bit of, I'm, I'm concerned a little bit about Tanner McKee. They're playing Washington this week, and Washington's coming off a very, 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 very impressive win over Michigan State. Now, we talked about this a little bit on Monday. I was a little bit surprised that Michigan State was ranked number 11. I guess I didn't even realize it at the time until we watched the game. And I was like, what? They're number 11? It's completely spaced off my mind. I, I just didn't even think about it. But Washington, at home, at night, Washington last year had one of the best secondaries in college football, but now losing Kyler Gordon, Trent McDuffie. They're not as good, but they're still going to be good. This is a good Washington football team. Michael Penix looks so much better than what he did last year. He looks like his old self. Like the season before last, Michael Penix was considered to be one of the best quarterbacks in the Big Ten. Before last season started... Before we knew what C.J. Stroud would be, there was, like, you thought C.J. Stroud would be there. But at the start of the season, I think a lot of people considered Michael Penix to be the number one quarterback in the Big Ten. And then he just didn't do anything. He was fresh off a knee injury, so you could see there was probably some mental things going on there. Like, he hadn't played with it, so he was trying, he was a little nervous to play with it. But, man, he's looked good. And Washington looks good. And Tanner McKee and Stanford just got their ass beat by USC last weekend, or two weekends ago. So, I'm a little concerned here. Like, but Tanner McKee is not at number seven. No, no, no. And I feel bad for doing this. I do feel pretty bad for doing this because it's not his fault. He didn't play. So, there's really not a room for him to go, oh, well, I deserve to be dropped or I deserve to be moved up or whatever. But the fact of the matter is the last game he played it wasn't great. And the guy who played this weekend didn't play the greatest team of all time, but still performed really well in that Tennant Hooker at Tennessee. They beat Akron 63-6. Didn't turn the ball over again. So he has six total touchdowns, six passing touchdowns in the season, two rushing touchdowns. Had four incompletions, 298 yards passing, damn near 300. I just think Hendon Hooker and his ability to run the ball and just how good Tennessee's offense looks with him at the helm versus what it did prior to him taking over, prior to Joe Milton's injury against Pitt last year, their offense is just crazy good. And Hendon Hooker is one of the best quarterbacks in all of college football. And this week, we talked about this a little bit before with Anthony Richardson, I'm just really excited to watch this week's game between Florida and Tennessee. Really excited. Tennessee ranked 11th, Florida ranked 20th in Nashville. Or not Nashville, Knoxville, in Knoxville. I have to change that on my Anthony Richardson thing. I put uh, against Knoxville in Knoxville. In Nashville, we got Knoxville. Because we got a Knoxville, Iowa as well. So Knoxville, Tennessee. Sorry about that. Well, you guys won't even know. It's not even in the description anymore. Well, you'll know once it's out because I said once this is out, I said it. But if you never listen to the show and you just read the bro- you just read the blog post, you won't even know. You don't even, you don't even be the wiser. But I just think Hennon Hooker, his mobility is also a key factor in that as well. I understand it was against Akron. You need to have good games against teams at the level of Akron. No offense to Akron whatsoever. But it's just how it works out. And Henry Hooker played well, drops McKee down. And then number 9 and 10, these two have just been rotating all year. I got KJ Jefferson at 9, Will Rogers at 10. KJ, 
we talked about this a little bit on Monday with Arkansas struggling against the fighting Bobby Petrinos. Bobby Petrino on the revenge game going back to Fayetteville, Arkansas. It was up 17-0. Like, this is crazy. And Missouri State, we have talked about this before. Missouri State is no more a slouch in the FCC, FCS. They are no longer a slouch in the Missouri Valley Conference. There was a couple years where Missouri State was one of the pushover teams. They were at Western Michigan level. Like, if you didn't beat Missouri State, something was wrong. Something was very, very wrong if you didn't beat Missouri State. Now, they're a solid football team, one of the better teams in the Missouri Valley Football Conference, and now they're taking on teams like Arkansas. And though they ended up losing by double digits, they lost by 11 points, they were in it the entire – they were winning for most of the game, and then Arkansas started turning it on. Now, K.J. Jefferson, through his first interception of the season, had a season low, I believe. I believe it's a season low, 40 yards rushing. He also had 385 passing, which was clearly a season high. Like, we taught, we've wanted K.J. Jefferson to, or the coaching staff, Sam Pittman and the coaching staff, to take the leash off of K.J. Jefferson. Let him throw it out. He had more options to do that this weekend. And I was excited to see it. You get those options more often than not when you're playing a quote-unquote lower-level opponent. This lower-level opponent came to freaking play. And then Will Rogers, we kind of, I kind of expected this. Mississippi State is not the greatest team. I know LSU is struggling a little bit right now. They're not the same team they were back in 2019 when Joe Burrow, Chase, Jefferson, Coletter Zolaire, Lloyd Cushenberry, Kalevon Chison, Derek Stingley, who all else was there? Grant Delpit, Devin White. No, it was De- Devin White wasn't there. Just all these different players. Or 2020, 2019-2020 season. No. Yeah. Yeah, 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 2020, because of the 2020 draft when Joe Burrow got drafted. 2019-20. But LSU, regardless of how good they are, Death Valley is always an insanely tough place to play. And Mississippi State has played a little bit up and down this season. Will Rogers played great. Will Rogers has been really, really good this season, for the most part. This was not a game that you can look at and go, yeah, that was Will Rogers' best performance. Because it wasn't. It wasn't. There are some misplaced passes throughout the game, but he's still good. I expect him to rise as the season goes on because that's just how Mississippi State's offense work. Will Rogers is going to put up massive numbers the entire season. He's going to put up massive numbers the entire season, but he threw an interception, second, third one of the season, sorry, completed just under 50% of his passes, or just under. Wait, I can't do math. I cannot. <laughs> okay. I can't do math. And why is it not loading anymore? There we go. It's 57%, just over 57% of his passes on Saturday, which is a se- by far a season low. His season low up until that point was 77.6%. And again, there's a ton of factors that go into completion percentage. You could see it in a lot of Will Rogers games. Well, this game just wasn't it. It just wasn't it. So he dropped down one spot. So the top 10, because I guess we didn't even really go over the order of the top five, but number one, CJ Stroud. Number two, Bryce Young. Three, Will Levis. Four, Anthony Richardson. Five, Tyler Van Dyke, who I, we didn't really talk about Tyler Van Dyke. There really wasn't a lot to talk about in that game against, against A&M. Little bit of nothing on offense. This one, he completed about, he completed 60, 50% of his passes. Didn't get any touchdowns in the game. Just a, it was a predictable, rough game. Texas A&M coming off a loss to a very, a team they should beat. No offense to Appalachian State, but this is a team they should beat at home in front of 100-plus thousand people at Kyle Field, they should win. Now, it was a close game because A&M doesn't really have any semblance of an offense. They just started Max Johnson in this game. They benched Haynes King. They got Max Johnson in starter. But it was just nothing was going for Miami on offense. We knew A&M's good on defense, and that was going to be a problem for Miami because we saw how they struggled against uh, Central, 
Southern Mississippi last week for portions of the game. I know they went 30-7, to but they had portions of the game where they struggled. And Van Dyke got beat up a little bit in this game as well. Didn't play his greatest game of all time, though. Sticks at five. Number six, Jaron Hall. Seven, Hendon Hooker. Eight, Tanner McKee. Nine, KJ Jefferson. And ten, Will Rogers. And the honorable mentions, we got Devin Leary from NC State. Grace McCall from Coast Carolina still in there. Michael Penix Jr. has entered the call. He's had a very good season. Ten touchdowns, one interception this year. Had a great game. 397, four touchdowns, no picks against Michigan State. A big-time dub for Washington. Yeah, he's had a really nice year this year. Then we have Cam Rising still there. And then Cameron Ward from Washington State. Four touchdowns in his own right. 299 against Colorado State in a 38-7 win. Washington State is 3-0. and Are they 3-0? I believe they are. Hold on. I believe that's because I know they beat Washington. Or Washington, Wisconsin. Yeah, they are 3-0. Okay, I got a little nervous there. They beat Idaho, Wisconsin, and then Colorado State. Ooh, they're playing Oregon. At home, though. At home, unless it's on a neutral site, and I just don't know about it. No, it's at home. That'll be a good game. Washington State versus Oregon. Be a fun one on Saturday. Very, very fun. There's some good matchups on Saturday. There's some good matchups. We got some Big Ten conference action taking place. We got some Big 12. We got some conference games taking place. But then we got, like, you know, the SEC still got some, like, you know, Georgia's playing Kent State because they played Oregon week one. So they're going to have that stinker game. As most good teams do, if they start off the season with a good opponent, they're going to start off with a bad team. They're going to play bad teams a little bit later in the schedule than everybody else. Yeah. I'm excited. This week's going to be fun. We're starting to get into a flow of conference football. It's nice. I like seeing it. Now, I did see something today that Bedlam, Oklahoma versus, uh, Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State is going to be done once Oklahoma and Texas move to the Big 12 or SEC. Damn shame. That rivalry is really fun. I remember watching as a kid when Zach Robinson and Kendall Hunter were playing for te- when Oklahoma State and Des Bryant was there. Then after them, it was Brandon Whedon and Justin Blackman. No relation to myself, surprisingly. Yeah, it was just fun. Sam Bradford, Landry Jones, DeMarco Murray, Adrian Peterson. I don't remember the quarterback from the Fiesta Bowl team that lost to Boise State. I cannot remember his name, but he was number 12. I know that. Who else was on those teams for Oklahoma? I'm just completely blank. Gerald McCoy was on those teams. Trent Williams was on those teams. Like, they had just the the Bedlam rivalry. The, like, back in the day, back in the day, like the late to, mid to late 2000s, early 2010s, was my favorite era of college football ever. I know there's not a lot of years to work with for me. I'm only 24 years old, but that's my favorite era of college football. Like Graham Harrell and Texas Tech taking on Texas and beating them with Michael Crabtree scoring the game-winning touchdown. Boise State beating Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl. We just talked about that. Boise State being a national powerhouse. Teams, teams people did not want to schedule anymore. You had Hawaii being good. Now they're just bad now. Texas was better, which was a little more fun. You had Colt McCoy there, Sam Bradford, Tim Tebow for Florida. Other ones. Stanford had uh, Toby Gerhardt at running back. Andrew Luck. Then you had Cincinnati with Tony Pike, Marty Gilliard, Pitt had Bill Stoll, Lashawn McCoy, Dion Lewis. Like they were just so good. College football was just so much fun when I was a kid. I I don't know what it is. I don't know. Michigan had Chad Henney, Mike Hart, Ohio State had Troy Smith, Todd Bachman was there for a little bit. He had Beanie Wells, Chris Beanie Wells, Marcus Mariota in Oregon, Dennis Dixon before him. He had Jeremiah Masoli before he got kicked off the team at a transfer to Ole Miss. 
Juice Williams, we talked about them going to the Rose Bowl last show, playing against USC. Absolutely. I, man, Bedlam being gone is just sad. Like, the backyard brawl's done. Apart from this year, they brought it back because Pitt's now in the ACC. West Virginia's in the Big 12. What other big-time rivalries are we going to lose with conference realignment? I don't know. It just It's just not fun. I don't like conference realignment. Just sucks. I mean, it's gonna be. It is funny. It is funny to see teams like USC and UCLA traveling to Evanston, Illinois, to play Northwestern in November. That will be funny. That will be hilarious to watch. But it's just some good, some bad. Some good, some bad comes with it. But that's what you get with every decision. It's what you get with every decision. I just wanted to bring back the Legend and Leaders division titles. That's it. Legend and Leaders, bring them back. Other than that, don't really care. No, I care because it's. I want it to be still. I don't know. I just want it to be fun, and it is. College football will always be fun. Football in general will always be fun. I've had a joy watching football so far this season. We'll preview more games this weekend, or preview more games for this weekend come Friday. And with that being said, unless I'm completely forgetting about something, I mean, we have a United States soccer game coming up on Saturday. It's at seven thirty in the morning. That's going to be brutal. I'm not getting up for that. I'm sorry, United States. I love you. I'll cheer for you in the World Cup. I ain't getting up at 7.30 in the morning on a Saturday, especially since I'm going to be getting back from Cedar Falls after calling their high school football game. Homecoming. I'm not 100%. I don't remember who it's against. I did. I did know it was against. I just looked at the schedule today. I don't remember who it was against. But I'm not getting up before 7.30 to watch the United States play. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what they do. They have a lot of players that have withdrawn due to injury. And, Yeah. Just excited. It's just an exciting time. World Cup's getting closer and closer. We're about two months away from the World Cup. We got United States versus England on Black Friday with Iowa Nebraska there as well. Ah. I'm just ready. I'm just ready for everything. And we got some games. We got Thursday night football this week as well. We got it's just so funny how this all worked out. Like you had Josh Allen versus Matt Stafford week one. Mahomes versus Justin Herbert week two. Jacoby Brissett versus Mitch Trubisky, week three. Uh, but you know what? We're all going to watch it. As boring as that game will be, as terribly unwatchable as this game may be, we will all watch it. Unless you don't have Amazon Prime, then that one is kind of the that one's kind of a tough tough L, tough L in the chat. Everyone post L's in the chat. But with that being said, that's all I've got for you today. I do hope you enjoyed the show. If you did not enjoy the show, I gravely apologize. I hope you enjoy the next one. Leave a rating out of five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify to tell us how we did on each episode. You could do it for a whole show. You could do it for one episode. I don't really care. Leave it a description down below on why you feel the way you do because that would make me feel a whole lot better if you left a one-star rating and just told me why. <laughs> that would make me feel a whole hell of a lot better. But you know what? It's out of my hands. But with that being said... I hope you check out the blog post. Make sure you're following all the forms of social media Logan Blackman Show has to offer. Go to loganblackmanshow.com and check out the blog page on there. You can see it for yourself. You just go to the blog post or you can just follow me on social media. Either one works. Either one's fine. Don't care. Just do something. With that being said, I'll see you all later. Enjoy the rest of your day. Peace.